The Sons of Liberty is a politically neutral organization. We believe that the Judeo-Christian ethic has provided the principles upon which this nation was founded. It is our belief that these principles provide not only the foundation and framework for American government and society, but are also essential to the maintenance of a fair and just society. All program content is based on a Christian biblical worldview. One of you said to me recently that we shouldn't rock the boat. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I want to tell you that I am a boat rocker. Good day, America. Welcome Christians, conservatives, constitutionalists, liberals, libertarians, communists, Islamists, LGBTQ, RSTV, DBXYZ people, all the boat rockers in the house, and anybody else I may have missed to the Sons of Liberty radio show here on Red State Talk Radio, where we use the Bible and the Constitution, not to see who's on the right or the left, but who is on the straight and narrow. I'm your host, Tim Brown, coming to you live from the U.S.-occupied state of South Carolina, the editor at SonsOfLibertyMedia.com, and for Muslim friends, I'm the infidel that Allah warns about. I hold to the book, the Bible, as the authoritative word of God. Glad that you guys have joined us this morning. If you'd like to check us out online, please do so, SonsOfLibertyRadio.com, and also SonsOfLibertyMedia.com. In fact, if you're listening by way of the radio and you want to watch the video portion of the radio show, that's right, you can see the face that's made for radio. Head over to SonsOfLibertyMedia.com. There you're going to see two videos at the top of the page. The one on the left side is an educational video from Bradley. Um, this was one done uh, regarding Christmas. And yes, I'm still playing a little of that music, at least through the weekend. Okay, just I like the instrumentals. Uh, I really do. Uh, for pre-show music. Uh, for you guys who are, who are on the radio who don't get the pre-show. That you only get on the video platforms. Um, he's got a video on that, so if you want to check that out, you can do so up until 3 o'clock today. I don't know if he's going to be live or not. I know he is. He did land in uh, Phoenix last night, and uh, so they are there and for their event tonight, and you can find that on Bradley's schedule, sonsoflibertymedia.com. Okay? Right side of the page is where we're at. Click on the play button, blow it up on whatever device you got. Look for the rumble icon, bottom right-hand corner. Click on that. Join us in the chat on Rumble. We've got some friends over there this morning. Good morning. Good to see you guys. And also, while you're there, please subscribe to that channel. It's Sons of Liberty Radio Live. Sons of Liberty Radio Live on Rumble. And then finally, we're on BeforeIt'sNews.com, top of the page over there. And we appreciate Michael Roach and his team giving us a spot on their platform. And then right up under where we're streaming live, SonsOfLibertyMedia.com. You can sign up for our email newsletter. Again, uh, that's all the articles we have for the day, including the morning show archive so uh, be sure and uh, sign up for that it goes out late afternoon early evening each day and uh, so yeah then and they're censoring us on that too by the way it's not just uh it's not just on the video platforms they're doing it through the emails uh and it's sometimes it's your isp that does it um for those of you who don't know that's internet service provider if you've got i've heard, i've seen several from comporium um and I've seen several from, I'm um, trying to think of the other internet provider. Anyway, sometimes your internet provider does it. Sometimes your email service does it. And uh, what used to be okay with Gmail, 
uh, is no longer any okay. They've just opened the floodgates to spam and stuff like that. So um, I got to the point where I was getting more spam than I was getting my actual mail. And the, the some of the emails were even going into the spam. So uh, I, we understand it's happening on those ends too. All right, I want to play just a couple of videos I found the other day. And this is allegedly out of Germany. Uh, the farmers there have pretty much had their feel. I'm just going to turn the volume because they've just got music and stuff going on. But this is for the video audience. For, for you guys who are on the radio, um, I don't know what this street is. It looks like it's going into, uh, into, the sit, into one of the cities there. Uh, but these guys, <laughs> these guys uh, dumping out uh, their hay, their manure, everything on, I guess, uh, over where the people who are supposed to represent them, <laughs> they're just dumping it out there. They're driving their tractors up. They're dumping their sawdust out. They're pushing it up on them um, because of how they're trying to squeeze the pharma industry. See, they want to do this for their fascist buddies. They don't, and and they know if they get this in place, then the people can't do anything about it. Once it's done, it's done. Once they start taking over agriculture, and think this is why this is the danger of government coming to help. This is the danger of them coming to help. This is also out of Germany, and. Um, it's been sped up a little bit, but just so people, these are all these tractors that are being driven in. <laughs> oh, it's absolutely crazy. Crazy. You, you wonder, how is this happening? You know, the Netherlands, how's it happening in Germany? How The farmers are recognizing, but somehow it's... To use James Roguski's little phrase, it's like a slow train wreck that we're watching and nobody is driving their tractors up to their state capitals and say, we've had enough. You know, doing what these guys are doing. Because they're afraid that what's going to happen is they're going to end up being political prisoners like many of the January 6th guys. Yeah. But, again, this is over taxes that was imposed on their diesel gas. What's that going to do? Well, that's going to affect the cost of everything they do. This is why it's amazing to me here in the United States that we have people who don't understand basic, just some basic economic stuff. Not, not real complicated things, basic stuff. If you want a higher wage working for a company, what does that mean? In order for them to pay you a higher wage, they're going to have to jack the price up on whatever products or services they're offering. It just makes sense, right? They're not just going to keep they're not just going to keep losing money while you gain money. They're not going to do that. They've got to sort that out. Then you've got supply and demand. Do you got something people want or do you not? But people don't understand this basic economics. So if you're going to raise taxes on the fuel it costs for farmers to run their tractors and their turbines and all the things that they do, well, then they're going to have to pass that on to other people. And they're already the people are already paying a lot of money for food anyway. 
Now, how does that tie in with what we're going to talk about today? Well, I'm going to bring Kirk Elliott on here in just a minute in an interview that we did yesterday. And I want you to hear what he says about this stuff. That the American debt, we reported on it yesterday. Max Lavo, Sons of Liberty Media.com. U.S. debt has surpassed $34 trillion. $34 trillion. The ruling class has enslaved the population in every way possible, including financially, as its debt obligations have reached $34 trillion for the first time, over $6 trillion more than when Joe Biden became the head tyrant. U.S. debt as a percentage of gross domestic product is now over 123% compared with China's 83%. Japan has the largest debt burden relative to GDP at 255%. All of these... Here, you're going to hear in this interview with Kurt, all of these percentages of GDP compared to debt, every country historically that we know of, once they get to, you'll hear him give the number. I'm wanting to say 80%. It was somewhere around in there. Um, I thought that's what he said. He says, once you start hitting these numbers like we've been hitting, there's no going back. There's... The consequences are coming. And this isn't like a housing bubble, 2008. This isn't that. This is everything. Everything. Because it's all based on debt. And sooner or later, you got to pay. Sooner or later, you got to pay. And um, it it is not going to be a pleasant experience. Uh, This is why I do think that People, you should prepare, be as prudent as you can. Make sure you're helping your neighbors prepare as well because you're going to need them. They're going to need you. But we got this debt going on, and I think it's, I think you can look back and you can see how it is a controlled demolition. And I'll make mention of that in this interview. This is uh, Kirk Elliott. If you want to, to check him out, go to getgoldandsilvertoday.com. GetGoldAndSilverToday.com, and uh, this is our interview on the U.S. debt and also the incoming CBDCs. Check it out. Okay, all right, we've got a special guest on with us today, and uh, you guys have enjoyed ha- me having uh, Kirk Elliott on uh, because we talk about some some stuff that you know I'm I'm learning a little bit, but I'm not real savvy when it comes to the economy and stuff like that. I got a general overhead as to what goes on. We've talked about uh, central bank digital currencies and stuff like that. We've talked about our debt. We've talked about the counterfeiting of our money, that our constitution and the Bible. And if you want to talk real money, uh, gold and silver, that's that's your that's your heads. It's always been that way throughout all of history. No matter how, how much people poo-poo it, the fact of the matter is it's held its weight in gold. <laughs> okay. And uh, here to talk about that is Kirk Elliott. And Kirk, it's great to see you again. Great to have you on the show. Oh, it's so great to be with you, Tim. I hope you had a wonderful Christmas and a happy new year. Yeah, it was great. And I hope you had the same thing. And you know, we were coming out of that. A lot of people uh, during this time of year spend themselves into debt. We're going to talk about some of that today. And then we're going to talk about some solutions. We don't want to leave people, you know, looking at all the the doom, gloom, and destruction, even though the fact of the matter is we do talk about God's 
judgments upon our nation. We can read those in Deuteronomy 28, Leviticus 26, and they're coming down to a T. If the people would just repent, if God's people would just repent, we would see a change. And we want to talk about some of that repentance and our solutions, but what's going on currently in the world? We're going to talk a little bit about world debt and a shocking number you gave me as far as our own debt. Yeah. So, so let's start about with where I think that we're heading in 2024 because it's all based on debt, right? But, but where are we probably going to go? So I was reading an article, some research, uh, it was either yesterday or the day before Tim from a, from an economist forecaster named Harry Dent. A lot of your viewers may be familiar with him. He's been around since the beginning of time. I think I mean, he's, he's an old school um, forecaster. I, I mean, when I first started in, in the industry in like 1996, he was, he was kicking then too. Right. So, so wow. But what, so he's really good. He's had accurate forecasts over the years. He calls a lot of things, right. Because he looks at the fundamentals of why things move, just like what, what I do, just like what you do. Right. It's like, there's cause and effect for everything. Like when we tell our kids, when we're growing up and we're disciplining them, it's like, you know, this is for your own benefit, right? There's a, there's consequences to our actions, both good and bad, right? You do something good, you're going to reap benefits and blessing. You do something bad, well, consequences of sin is death, right? So there's just depends on our choices, depend on what the consequence is, right? So so we've got this world of debt. What's that going to cause? Um, Harry Dent um, said just a couple days ago that he's pretty sure that 2024 is finally going to be the year that the overinflated U.S. bubble markets collapse. Now, we've been talking about, you know, this for a long time. You know, these bubbles are going to burst. We've had bubbles that have burst in the past. In 2000, the tech stock bubble burst. In 2009, it was real estate and subprime lending, and the stock market took a big hit, right? So in 2000, it took people nine years, Tim, to recover from that 80% correction and the tech stock bubbles bursting. In 2008 and 9 when when the subprime lending caused everything, real estate, stocks, bonds, everything to come crashing down, um it took 8 years to recover from that one. This time because this is a debt-based bubble, it's not a oh sector-based bubble like tech stocks or subprime lending like the last two. This isn't everything bubble because our whole global financial system has been created with debt. That's right. Which is not biblical, right? But, but yet, so, you know, that old adage, the bigger they are, the harder they fall, right? So, so he's now saying that this is the year. It's like, well, why this year and not, not all other years when we've been talking about this? Well, it, to me, I would, I would kind of equate it to, you know, you're reading um, like an, an old Testament passage or some old like medieval war story, right? Where, there's this marauding army and they're going across the desert. And you know what, when they're across the desert and, and a month away from getting from you, nobody cares. It's, it's not right there. But when the invading army is right at the gates of the city, that's where the battle is most intense. This is where I think that we are now, which is why 2024 is probably going to be a, a pendulum shifting year because we've hit critical mass on global debt. We've hit political, economic um, mayhem, 
right? We've got geopolitical conflict. You've got Israel and Hamas that are going at it. China and Taiwan are starting to heat up again. You've got uh, Russia and Ukraine. So in Eastern Europe, in the Middle East, in Asia, and politically here in America, it's just absolute chaos, right? Now going into an election year, it's going to be weirder. And, And this is I never, ever, ever operate out of a state of fear. God did not create us with a state of fear, but of of sound mind, wisdom, confidence, faith, right? So everything opposite of fear. But here's what I'm afraid about for our country this year, and this is going to make sense, is when people are faced with a crisis, that's when human nature kicks in, and a lot of times we will give up our freedoms um, in exchange for perceived, doesn't even need yep. to be real, protection and security, sure. right? And peace. So we've got a world right now where debt up to our eyeballs, interest rates are rising, inflationary pressures. People can't pay their mortgages. They can't pay their rent. They can't really afford their utility bills. And oof, now their credit cards, they're maxed out. There's no extra space. And most of America is just living at the margin, right? And so- I would venture to guess, just like every audience that I talk to, yours is going to be no different. This actually characterizes a lot of the listeners because America is hurting right now because we've we've lived in this cycle of debt for so long. It's like it's now time to pay the piper. So when people don't have money, they they have to change their spending habits. They just they, they don't spend as much. When that happens, corporate America isn't as profitable. When that happens, revenues, earnings, profits come down and, and stocks hit the skids. And people lose their this jobs. Is where, this is where we are. It's the cause and effect, right? So, so here's Harry Dent's quote from this, a couple of the quotes from this research. He said, since 2009, this, this market, this world that we live in, in has been 100% artificial, unprecedented money printing and deficits. So put this into perspective, Tim. So 1776, we became a country, right? 1980, when Reagan became president, that's 204 years, okay? Our debt started at zero in 1776. In 1980, it was like 980 billion. That was our national debt. So in 204 years, our debt went up from zero to 980 billion. Now, in the last... 15 years, 15 years, we added 27 trillion of our 34 trillion in debt just came over the last 15 years. See, we're, we're spending like drunken sailors. Now you look at, at Biden's budget for the upcoming year. It's like, oh, it gets worse because we are at a point now where they're going to add two and a half to $2.8 trillion of debt in just the next year, right? So it's like, what? It took us 204 years to go to zero to a trillion, and now we're adding 2.5 to 2.8 trillion in one year? Well, I mean, can, this is this is seriously unsustainable. So can we help thinks, people understand that part before you go on? Can we help people? Because, you know, I know there was debt that was accumulated up until Reagan by various presidents, but mm-hmm. it was always it was always a small debt. And then as soon as you get to things like, uh, 9-11 and the, the spending that went just haywire after that, and then all the other stuff like what you're saying. I think uh, Bush left office 
$8 trillion more in debt with two terms. Then you had Obama. He doubled that in his two terms. Then you had Barack, or you had Donald Trump. He was almost $10 trillion in debt in one term. And now you've got yeah. Biden finally. There's, and the only people I've seen, Kurt, who've run for president was Ron Paul. And there was a guy out of New Mexico. He's a libertarian guy. They were the only people who actually put forth a budget which would stop the deficit spending and would actually help go to paying down debt, even if it was a small amount. They were the only ones that put forth anything that you could check out and say this. Everybody else always, whatever their budgets were, were always this issue of more spending, more debt. And can you help people understand this is going to continue on until either they're going to liquidate or they're going to cut that cut the spending back yeah. to what they're only supposed to be writing law about, which is very limited. Uh, very, very astute comment. I mean, seriously, because that's the options here. So September 15th of, of 2023, like three months ago, our debt was 33 trillion. 20 days after that, we were up to 33.5 trillion. Now we're at like 34. It's like, what? In one quarter, we that's added a trillion dollars worth that's of debt. That's crazy. That's that's on pace for four trillion in a twelve month span. This is insane, right? So, so Harry Dent thinks that twenty twenty. I'm going to answer your question, but it's going to be in the next sentence. So, uh, he said, I think twenty twenty four is going to be the biggest single crash year we've seen in our lifetime. And he said we need to get back to normal, and we need to send a message to central banks. See, this should be a lesson that I don't think we'll ever revisit, right? This is where we have to get in our mind. We're never going back there, right? It's like when when somebody gets saved and they had their previous life, it's like, I'm never going back there. It That's was right. awful, right? Right. It's like, now I've got Jesus and I'm free from all of that, that the shackles of sin and, this, and slave to myself, right? And it's like, okay, there's freedom. You're a new creation, right? So economically, we need to be a new creation, right? Because the system that is we're based on a debt-based central bank fiat money system globally, I think is coming to an end. So what, where are we headed, right? Because this is going to be that year that, that I think everything turns around. So this current bubble that we're in, to answer your question, how, how grat, this has gotten so bad recently, um, really started to take flight in 2021 um, with, during COVID, right? Now, this all started, this debt cycle started in the early 1900s with the emergence of the Federal Reserve, right? Before that, we had a gold-backed currency. So this actually started then, but it, 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 it was getting bad. And then, and then in 1970s, early 70s, when Nixon closed the gold window, boom, completely fiat currency. That's where most of our inflation has come since then. But now with COVID, you know, these, these fake manufactured things that cause so much spending, stimulus, we got to take care of people. Um, this is part of the system, right? So, so it's like, don't take my word for it. If you look at March 23rd of 2020, HR 6321, Maxine Waters um, issued this bill. What did it say? It said, we need to take care of those that are in need and homeless populations and those that are displaced. And if you want to receive a government check, this bill says there's three things that have to happen. Number one, you're going to have to have digital money. 
Number two, you're going to have to have a digital wallet that carries that digital money. Number three, you have to have a bank that accepts those. So what did they just say? They said, if you're going to get government money, any kind of a check, which could be what? Let's let's play that out just a little bit further. It's not just a handout because of COVID. They're talking about getting a government check. That could be a government pension. It could be Social Security. could be Medicare, Medicaid, women, infant, children programs, food stamps, any kind of government check. Well, you have to have a digital currency that's issued by a digital wallet by a member bank that, that accepts those things. To me, that's the elimination of cash going into a Fed now beast-like system where everything's digital, everything's tracked. And hey, if you don't take it, well, then you're not getting paid. The ability to cut you off from buying or selling if they don't like your ideology, right? It's like, man, that's Revelation 13, 17. Yeah, that's exactly so, what it is. Yeah. So this this has has gotten out of control. So he explained that we're never going to see these levels of the stock market, of the bond market ever again. Because it's all been done with stimulus money and that system is about to die. And this crash is not going to be a correction. It's not going to be a crash. Those, 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 a correction means, oh, it was a little 10% correction, right? And so crash is, oh, quick down, but then it's going to just come right back up. Like if you crash your car, well, you know, the, the tow truck comes and they take it away and you go to the hospital, you get your scrapes fixed up and then boom, off you go. Can I they ask collapse. you about that? Yeah. Is it not more of a controlled demolition? Isn't that what we're really, they know it's going to collapse, but they want to control the timing of it and how it happens so that they can, they already have a salute, their solution and the works you've just been talking about it. Yeah. So it's more of a controlled demolition here, just like nine 11 was, uh, that they're trying to do with the economy so they can quote unquote, bring in their solution that they have, which is to enslave us in this digital kind of currency. A hundred percent. I think 9-11 is a great analogy for this because what happened? The towers came down, rubble everywhere. People died, mayhem, loss of jobs. Then they had to clean it up. Then they had to rebuild what had come down, right? That's a collapse. So this whole thing is going to come crashing down. People are going to get hurt. And then they're going to rebuild with something that they think is bigger and better, right? So, so interesting on what they think is going to be bigger and better is central bank digital currency. They already laid it out in that bill that Maxine Waters floated. It's like, hey, you want government money? You're going to have to have digital currency. So so Harry Dent thinks that this one isn't going to be just a little, crash or a little correction that takes some, you know, eight years to come out with. Um, he doesn't think that because this is going to be the the biggest crash of our lifetime that happens in 2024. He said it might take 10 or 12 years Whoa. of just sideways action in the stock market of, of people having um, basically just low to mediocre, mediocre growth. And, and he said, based on prevailing market valuations, we estimate that four total returns for the S&P 500 in the next 10 to 12 years Equity market returns relative to bonds are likely to be among the worst in history to a market loss of about 63%. So why would he say 63%? Well, you look at the numbers. 
we've gone from 27 trillion to 34 trillion in debt over the last 15 years. That's all debt based. That's about a 63%. You eliminate that debt, you get us back to a normalcy. That's a 63% correction. That's why he used those numbers. So we have to start looking at all of this as debt based. How bad is the debt? Right. So, so we keep getting back to the basics here. Well, the world is sitting on a powder keg of debt. So, so when you look at it, we're buried under debt levels and the global economy really can't function in a high interest rate environment with this amount of debt, right? Because this is why they kept rates artificially low forever is they were accumulating debt, massing debt, derivatives debt, government debt, municipal debt, personal debt, company debt, 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 right? So, so they kept our interest rates artificially low since 1983. That all changed when we hit a point of critical mass, right? The, the marauding army at the gates of the city. Now they said, well, we're, we're maxed out. We have, we, we've now we're causing inflation because we're printing all this money. Prices are going up. We have to slow down that inflation by raising interest rates. That's how policymakers slow down inflation. But it's like, oh, nuts. The problem with that is there's too much debt. You raise interest rates, everybody that has debt gets cut off at the knees. Yeah, right? they, that's exactly they're, right. They're already handcuffed from actually living, living hand to mouth. And now when their debt goes up, their debt service, their payments, it's like, ooh, now what are we going to do? So let's put this into perspective. Global debt, the IMF, International Monetary Fund, estimated global government debt will hit $97 trillion by the end of 2023. Well, we just finished the end of 2023. So let's call it 97 to 100 trillion in global debt. That's a 40% increase in global debt just since 2019. <laughs> it's out of control, right? But how much of that is America? Well, our national debt's 34 trillion. Out of 97 trillion, we're literally 32.4% of all global debt. That just is in absolutely America. crazy. That's crazy. I mean, this is this is bonkers. Well, well, let's Let's take this concept one step further, and that is if you were to file for bankruptcy, it's why? Because you didn't have enough money to pay for your bills, right? So what's true for the individual is also true for a nation. If the nation can't pay for their bills with tax revenue, they're going to have to file for bankruptcy, right? So what's true for a nation is true for the world. Once the world can't pay off their bills, the, the world as a whole goes bankrupt. So how do how would I measure this as an economist? Well, I look at the the total debt to gross domestic product ratio, right? So so that means all the debt, look at the GDP of that nation and I remember looking back at this in like the mid 2000s, 2005, 2010 range and our debt was like 80% of GDP back then. And I was starting to get nervous that because throughout history, 100% of the time, these are not good odds, right? 100% yeah. of the time, yeah. once a nation's debt equals their GDP, they never recover, Tim, never. They never recover. So yep. something changes. Either it's a regime change or the type of government. So if you're a, a democracy, you go to a dictatorship. If you're a dictatorship, you move to a democracy. It's like a 180-degree thing. Well, we're 
a representative form of democracy here in America, right? So well, we're a representative. Yeah, we're a representative republic, and there's a difference republic, because yeah. the democracy so, would hand everything out to the voice of the people, whereas to, a republic does already has law. And this is what we're talking about. If we would just return to the law and do gold and silver and say, yes. you you guys at the Federal Reserve, yeah, I, our representatives made a bad decision. They should have never written this law. It's unconstitutional. Yep. Guess what? We don't owe you squat. We don't yeah, owe you squat, and we're going back to gold yeah. and silver. See, you wouldn't want to be, and if you cut, try exactly. to push it, we're going to arrest you, and we're going to deal with you. That's what yeah. the people should do. Now, with this said, you're saying it's global. You brought up this guy out of uh, Argentina with Javier Millet. Uh, yeah. I, I'm just going to show people this. I, I'm sorry. I, I I can't help but think. That's what I think when I see this guy, uh, because we got a lot of guys who I, I kind of tease them about uh, they, they don't keep their hair. I don't understand this about British guys. And, and this guy is in Argentina, obviously, but he obviously has at least some insight on economy. What's he doing there? I mean, isn't he pushing for the same thing that we're talking about here, getting back to real tangible assets instead of debt money? He is. And now I'm going to say this with a grain of salt because his ideas are fantastic. I can't figure this guy out. though. I, I really can't because he's doing everything right, but he is a globalist. He's a member of the World Economic Forum. It's like, I, I don't get it, but I'm going to look at his policies because the policies are spot on, right? So, so in Argentina, they just passed a bill that says they got away from the concept of a national currency is legal tender. Like, like in America, legally, you can only use the U.S. dollar. Now, people barter with different things, right? But, but if you're going to conduct a business, you have to use the U.S. dollar. You can't use the euro. You can't use some other currency, right? So, so debts in Argentina now, by law, only need to be paid in the currency agreed on in the contract between two people. So what if in the contract, what if I'm buying a lawnmower from you? It's like, and you say, hey, Kirk, uh, you can pay me in Bitcoin or you can pay me in silver. You can pay me in anything. It's like, sweet. All right. I'm not using the U.S. dollar. It stinks, right? So, so now every single currency becomes legal tender in Argentina. Wow. What did this open the door for? Well, it opened the door for using silver as currency, gold as currency, an alternative currency that's backed by gold, for example. So currencies will compete in Argentina. It's amazing, right? So That's great. So Competition that is great. It's great. Fiat-based currencies, they're all debt-based. Nobody's going to want them in time. And so who's going to ultimately probably surely lose on this one? Central bank digital currencies, right? Because who wants that? Who wants to operate in a currency where the government has the ability to cut you off from buying or selling if they don't like you? Nobody would really want that. So what he opened the door for was now copycat countries around the globe saying, we like what this Malay guy is doing you know, uh, opening the door to, to currencies. Now, the globalists, the international bankers, they're going to hate this. They're going to hate it because it takes power away from them when people now have a choice of monetary system that they're going to use. See, this is, this is fascinating to me because we've been talking about here in America, not, not well, you and I talk about this kind of stuff, but, but states like Texas, want a state chartered central bank backed by gold to get away from the Fed now, from the Federal Reserve, from FDIC. They want their own thing. Alaska wants to do their own thing. Seven states like Louisiana, Oklahoma, Arkansas, 
Wyoming, Utah, they've already passed legislation that says gold is legal currency, legal tender in those states. It's like, wow, this is cool, right? So, so you're starting to see this light at the end of the tunnel, people waking up, but this is where the battle gets the most intense because the government is going to start demonizing anything that's not theirs, right? Like we're starting to see this now. Um, with the SEC starting to really attack cryptocurrencies like Bitcoin and others, right? It's like, no, we don't want to have decentralized blockchain cryptocurrency. Um, they're evil. They're awful. You know, we've got greedy people running them. You want to love our version of digital currency, the central bank digital currency, blah, 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 right? So they demonize anything that's not theirs. Um, now, this is where it starts to get squirrely because it's like government's gone wild. Right. When when governments run out of money, they start to do crazy things. What is the Supreme Court considering right now? They're actually considering the U.S. Supreme Court. They're considering taxing unrealized gains in people's asset portfolios. Such as gains. It means normally, normally when you have something, let's say it's a house or a stock or anything, and you buy it for a hundred bucks. You sell it for 150, there's a $50 gain. You're going to have a capital gain on that growth, right? That's how it normally works. Well, what they're saying is we're going to tax you even if you don't sell it, just based on what it's worth. Well, wow, how, that's crooked as a gonna, dog's hind leg right there. I mean, that's just stupid because now people are going to say, well, I, I don't have the money to pay the taxes on something that I don't have the money from because I haven't sold it. So now they're going to force people to sell just to pay their unrealized capital gain tax, right? If this dumb bill passes, it's like that's going to be the death knell to the U.S. economy. But part of me doesn't, isn't shocked by this because literally governments in time of crisis, when they're revenue constrained, look at Biden's budget, $2.5, $2.8 trillion more in spending than what we're bringing in. How are they going to get that money? Well, either they lower taxes which they're not going to do. They think they need more income, so they're going to raise taxes. But history shows us like what Reagan did. You want to really want to grow the economy, you lower taxes so people have a bigger bottom line at the end of the month and they spend more money, right? That's, I mean, that's how it really works in the real world. But they want to raise taxes. They want to raise interest rates so the banking establishment makes more money. Well, that's counterintuitive too. Because when people are living at the margin, you raise in basically the the interest rate, people are going to start to be delinquent on their loan payments because they can't afford it. And you have a series of delinquencies, then you have default, they go bankrupt. So raising interest rates is going to wreak havoc on the banks. And they're actually going to start to be capital constrained and fail. And so then what? Yeah. The only thing that's left is they're going to print money like there's no tomorrow. All of these policies are going to cause more inflation, higher prices, it's going to pinch Americans most that are living at the margin, which is most of America now. Yep. Um, and this is why Harry Dent thinks 2024 is going to be a year of collapse. And when you add all of those pieces together, sadly, brother, I agree. <laughs> I agree that 2024 is going to be an ugly yeah. economic year. Yeah. But what's the solution? Well, that's what right? I want. That's what I want to get to. Is what is the solution? We got you just a few minutes here. What is the solution? Because I look, I can hear all the mine. What I see is a solution that that is uh, multifaceted. In other words, I tell people 
Try to get out of as much debt as you can. That's our goal here in the Brown House. Uh, learn to learn to grow your own food. Plant some trees. If you don't have anything, just plant little ones. If that's what you can get, plant some trees, get some food there that you can. That's something you can control in your own way and, and trust the Lord to, to provide the rain and the sunshine for him. But that's a way. The other one is to make sure that you're able to defend yourself, your food and your house and your family and stuff. And then the other is preparations monetarily. Now, some people say, you know, food and water are going to be the gold and silver in the coming thing. And that may be for at least a short time. But I know when we had Franklin Sanders on, he talked about the gold and silver. If people understand that value and that that's really lawful money, they'll take your gold and silver, uh, your your junk, quote unquote junk silver. It ain't going to be junk pretty soon, that's for sure. But I do have a question with regard to gold and silver. What is the actual value of it compared to the paper dollar? Because I've, I've understood that even the comparisons we see on the, the debt clock are not really accurate, that that gold and silver ratio is far more. It takes a lot of dollars to average whatever they're doing the gold and silver on. Can you hit that right quick? And then let's talk the solution here for people who are yeah. interested in that. So, so usdebtclock.org has a comparison um, of basically what the paper to silver ratio, what would silver be worth if there were no manipulation, right? That's what that number is basically telling us. Well, silver's like 25, let's just call it $25 an ounce. It's a little less than that, but without manipulation, they think silver should be over $1,100 an ounce. That's in its raw form without bringing in excess demand limited supply that always is going to act even as a multiplier as to what it should be. So at minimum, silver should probably be 11 to $1,300 an ounce. And then in an era of high demand, like what we're entering into much higher than that. Right. So, so, but we're still living in a manipulated world where the central bankers, um, well, not even central bankers, just big bankers like JP Morgan Chase are, are issuing short contracts, naked shorts, you know, shorting something that they don't own, which is illegal for everybody to do other than people like them, um, to drive the price down so they can gobble up more physical silver for their own pockets. And then when they, that happens, it creates more demand. They say, oh, the price is getting too high again. Let's issue more short contracts. They drive the price down. They gobble up more of it. I mean, they play this game because they can. And it's not because they hate silver that they keep manipulating the price. It's because they love it and they want to buy more of it. Because here's what's come on since the last time you and I spoke on air is there's been a big research study at some, you know, MIT type institution. It's not MIT, but something like that, where they said, oh, there's a new technology where we can use silver in um, battery cell and fuel cell technology instead of platinum. Okay, this is cool. Because if you're an electric car manufacturer like Tesla, and you need a bunch of platinum for all the batteries that you're creating, right? Well, platinum's over $1,000 an ounce. Now you can use silver that's $25 an ounce. It's going to make your vehicles more affordable, yeah. right? It's going to make everything more efficient. It's going to make everything cheaper, right? So, so I Cheaper for the company, one, probably not for the consumer. <laughs> probably not for the consumer, but at least for them, right? But what that does is they're the buyers of it in its raw form and us as investors, it probably increases the demand for silver by 10x in pretty short order. It's like, we're already running out of global supplies for manufacturing. Imagine if the demand goes up 10 times, which that's what it should do. 
then in all these stupid agendas that the globalists have, all the environmental green stuff, you you name it, right? It's like that uses silver for solar power. It uses silver for electric vehicles. It uses silver for, for electronics and circuit boards, right? It's like, man, the demand for silver, even a sluggish economy is going through the roof. So I would allocate into that strength. And it does one of two, it does not just one thing. It does a couple of things. Number one, because of that demand, it's a, it's a really good investment. <laughs> it's going to go up. Low supply, high demand, prices go up. Number two, you have silver in a small form, like a one ounce round, let's say, which is the lowest cost of buying it. Well, now you can use that for barter, trade back and forth for goods and services that you might need when, when the currency collapses and merchants don't even want it anymore. So it's like, well, you don't have to be apocalyptic gloom and doom and say, I'm just going to buy silver for a barter world when, when you, maybe you're just an investor. Maybe you don't believe that stuff, right? Well, silver's doing great in his investment. Maybe you could care less about the investment because you just want it to be a hold of value over time and you want to use it for barter because you think the world's going to end, right? So either way, I mean, I'm telling you, Tim, one of these God investment ideas, right, that he's given us, doesn't matter what your belief level is and where you think the world is headed, it covers both of them, right? So, so this is really an amazing gift for us to be able to take advantage of. Yeah. And one of the things, too, that we made mention of last time is even in the digital world, if they do these digital currencies, you were talking about how even countries would go like at the end of the month or end of the quarter and they'll move the physical assets to cover the digital. So that's why they do want to get them. We've seen Russia and China, especially buying a lot of gold and silver, backing that up. Uh, Texas has had that. Um, there's a number of other places that I read about that are doing the same thing. And even their bricks, uh, I think you and I talked about that, the bricks thing. Uh, they were looking to, to back it with gold and silver. And they were going to do the, even though they were looking at digital transfers or, you know, uh, uh, what's the word? I'm not transfers, um, purchases, but where they're doing that, at the end of the day, they still are transferring real physical assets to cover what is, I guess, in the ledger, so to speak. So it's a lot different yeah. than what we have now. So if people want to do this, they can get information from you. They can ask questions. They can uh, get on the road to preparing this way with gold and silver by going to getgoldandsilver.com. Get, or excuse me, getgoldandsilvertoday.com. Getgoldandsilvertoday.com. And that'll take you over to Kirk's website. Um, you guys can talk to him. I've talked with several people, Kirk, uh, from the show. Uh, who have called you. Uh, some of these are some older ladies and they're they're pulling out of some things they had invested in and they they feel like this is a more secure thing for them, which I I think it probably is. I've told my boys, I said, get your money out of the 401ks and all the other stuff and put it in, you know, they got money like dad doesn't have. They learned to save that money. And I said, take half of that money and and go get silver and just put it back because you're just losing it sitting in the bank every day. That dollar is losing value. You can with you can hold that value like what you said before. Is there a final word you give for the people with regard to this and what you guys offer them? Yeah. So what we offer is is actually peace of mind. Um, you know, a lot of people it's like I had, I've never done gold and silver before. It scares me. I don't know what to do. All I've done is stocks, bonds, mutual funds over the years. It's like I, I don't be afraid of the unknown because we are here to hold your hand through it. Right. Well. 
We'll guide you every step along the way. We'll educate you to let you know why we're doing what we're doing, help you put together an allocation. That's where our journey together begins, not ends. Because then moving forward, I want to hold your hand through the economy. I'll let you know when it's time to buy, sell, reallocate, get out of Dodge, do whatever needs to be done, lock in your profits. That's a lifetime journey, right? The transactions to me are like meaningless. I mean, you have to have them. You have to buy to get into a trend. You sell to get out of one. But life happens in between those bookends of those transactions. And that's where constant communication is where trust is established. Once you have trust, well, then your financial anxiety starts to melt away. So we take whatever time is necessary to make sure that your questions are answered. And we want to minimize or eliminate the financial stress that you have. Because what we do is we put together these puzzle pieces of politics, economics, um, social and spiritual things that all build this big picture of the world that we're living in. And you know what? Individually, we could change anything right through prayer. Um, But really, it's hard to get a politician's ears. You know, if it's just one voice, it takes collective voice to actually get politicians to actually do anything generally. It doesn't take collective action for you to get out of harm's way out of paper into gold or silver because it's a singular decision. It's yours. Yep, that's (laughs) right. That's it, right? So all you have to do is take that first leap of faith. And I get it. It's a hard one for most people. It's like, why would I trust this Kurt guy who's talking to Tim? It's like, I've never met him before. I get it. I get it. Um, But this is where people realize, man, Kirk and Tim, this makes sense. It's resonating in my spirit. I get it. So take that leap of faith call us and we'll help you map something out. And here's where it goes from there. Either you do something or you don't. Right? Yeah. I the mean, choice is theirs. It's not like a sales pitch. The choice, the choice is, is theirs. Like, uh, my goal is to help you be a wise steward with what God's given you. You can't be a wise steward unless you're fully equipped and you understand the world that we're living in. We'll take that time to engage with you, to have that conversation, answer your questions put together a strategy for success moving forward. And you say, Kirk, this is great. I want to be just like you. I want to, I want to do what you do. Or you could say, it's not for me. You know what? I, I would love it if you did, but I technically in reality, I, I don't care. It's, it's like, it's like an evangelist, right? You're just called to do something. You're yep. called to spread this message and either people are going to listen or they don't. That's exactly That's what our it is. goal yep. is to, just to spread this message of hope financial hope in a world where the finances and economies are falling apart. And then either you act on it or you don't, but we're here to equip you so you can make a good decision. Amen. Amen. It, it, it's a call back to, this is a part of those old paths that we're called back to in the scripture, uh, to biblical money, just weights and measurements is what the Lord calls. And he says, mm-hmm. anything other than that is an abomination. I mean, that's a pretty, he, he doesn't use that word quite often for a lot of things, but he does use it for a few. And, and those unjust weights and measurements are part of that. Kirk, hang on, and I'll say goodbye to you off air. Guys, if you want to check him out again, this is getgoldandsilvertoday.com. Getgoldandsilvertoday.com. And Kirk has over two decades of helping people protect their income and their retirement assets. So he knows his stuff. Um, you can trust him in that. But, but in the end... All of this is an education process. I tell you guys, I bring people on who are either doing this stuff or they're here to teach us something or teach me something. And I hope it's going to teach you something. I think a lot of this has the, is the same impact Kirk is having here 
uh, that Kate's had on me with with health and nutrition and stuff like that. So if that's if that sounds good to you, there's no pressure. You can call Kirk up. Um, I, we got his number at 720-605-3900. Tell him you heard him on Tim. Uh, you heard him on the Sons of Liberty Tim show, or you can go directly there to getgoldandsilvertoday.com. And uh, Bradley, be with you at three. And then Lord willing, we're going to see you back here in the morning, 6 a.m., bright and early. Talk to you then. Okay. All right. So that was uh, that was Kirk and and I and again um, getgoldensilvertoday.com. If you want to talk to him, and, and there's no pressure, he'll he'll walk you through things. He will. He's very kind, um, just like you you see him here on on the show, uh, and give you some some stuff there. Let me give you these these last two things, and just a reminder over the fiat money. Okay, because we've been over this before, and I'm gonna give it to you straight from the horse's mouth at the Federal Reserve. Uh, but before I do, this was part of um, Russia Today's report. Again, this was from what I was reading from at SonsOfLibertyMedia.com. This is this is what it says. Confirms exactly what we're talking about. The amount of the U.S. government owes lenders has increased by 6.25 trillion dollars, or 23 percent since 23 percent since President Joe Biden took office three years ago. Wow. To put that in perspective, it took about 225 years from the nation's founding to approach $6 trillion in public debt. That growth uh, in debt has accelerated rapidly in the past two decades. It jumped by more than $9 trillion during Barack Obama's eight years, then increased by $7.8 trillion during Donald Trump's four years. That's just to give you an idea. And what is this? What is this all based on? Well, it's all based on the people's perception of what has value and under the biblical testimony we could and we've been through this before uh, you can go all through the scriptures and you can see exactly what's going on and in our constitution only gold and silver is to be coined for the payment of debt that's in the constitution they're clearly violating that and we're violating as a people by even utilizing the paper fiat that they have. But this is from the Federal Reserve's own book. It's called Modern Money Mechanics. We've been over this before. You, you say, well, you're just conspiracy theorists saying that, money, that the dollar bill doesn't have any value, blah, blah, blah. Okay, so listen to what the Federal Reserve tells you. These are the guys who print those bills. In the United States, neither paper currency nor deposits have value as commodities. Intrinsically, a dollar bill is just a piece of paper. Deposits merely book entries. Coins do have some intrinsic value as metal, but generally far less than their face value. What then makes these instruments, checks, paper money, and coins acceptable at face value and payment of all debts for other monetary uses? Mainly, it is the confidence people have they'll be able to uh, exchange such money for other financial assets and for real goods and services whenever they choose to do so, whether it's lawful or not. They don't even tell you that, do they? Nope. Because they're the ones the doing the indebtedness. All right. Bradley, be with you at 3 o'clock Eastern, 2 p.m. Central, sonsoflibertymedia.com. If not, we'll have an education video up. And Lord willing, we'll be back with you in the morning, 6 a.m., bright and early. Talk to you then. See you.